0: Hello and welcome back to the fourth series of The Public Eye, a six part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host Sarah Travers and throughout this series I speak with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain an insight into their growth and find out how they continue to innovate. So, wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So, today's guest, I'm joined by Anne Morgan, who is the CEO of Murdoch Builders Merchants. And you are very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Sarah.
1: Great to be here.
0: Well, it's lovely. And before we get into our interview properly, I'm going to give a little bit of background into Murdoch Builders Merchants mm-hmm. for those who may not <coughs> be familiar with it. So, Murdoch Builders Merchants was originally established in 1982 with the setup of Newry Building Supplies Limited on the Rathfriland Road in Newry. After a brief period at this location, Newry Building Supplies transferred to a bigger, more central location many of you will know on the Greenbank Industrial Estate in Newry where it remains today. Murdoch Builders Merchants growth over the last 35 years has been a combination of organic and by acquisition and they are currently recognised as a leading supplier of building materials and timber in the Irish marketplace. With 14 Builders Merchants branches plus two timber sites in Ireland North and South and a civils division in Belfast and Dublin. But Anne, you are the CEO of Murdoch Builders Merchants and, you know, I'll I'll talk to you more about that position. But let's find out a little bit more about you, the human being, Mm -hmm. what makes you tick. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, etc.
1: Okay, okay. So I'm a local girl, using that girl word very sort of loosely. Uh, Lived most of my life in the local area. Uh, m- and most of my working life spent in the local area. I did live in England for a little while after university. Um, so I'm married, just crossed the 30 year line there in April. Well married done. to David, yes. <laughs> uh, two children in their sort of mid to late 20s. Um, work obviously for uh, Murdoch Builders Merchants and have done for the last 20 plus years. Uh, in my spare time, I do a bit of mountain walking mm. and a bit of tennis, both at very moderate levels. Uh, and used to do a bit of cycling, Sarah, until I had a series of incidents and accidents that left me with multiple broken bones oh. over a period of time, so my bike's parked up at this stage. Oh, goodness, yeah. right, okay, yeah. we're,
0: we're very active, but yes, I'm, I'm sad to hear about about <laughs> the accidents. Um, yeah, where, when you say local girl, where's local?
1: Uh, sort of born and brought up in Warren Point, uh, lived in sort of in and around that area, Uh, after university, lived in England for four or five years, lived and worked in England for four or five years, but have spent the best part of my life sort of locally, Warren Point and Uri.
0: And you're passionate about living here?
1: I do, I love it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I do.
0: And where did you uh, study in England and live? Well, I
1: studied actually in Coleraine for four years, and then when I graduated, I'd always wanted to be a teacher, which is a bit strange Mm. that, you know, I ended up in building supplies, but I'd always wanted to be a teacher, trained to be a teacher. That was like four years at Coleraine, there weren't really any teaching jobs in the local area, sort of in the mid '80s, so it was off to England to get your first teaching post. So that's that's uh, that's how my career started off.
0: Okay, but now uh, you know you are a CEO of a fantastic company, a builders merchant. Um, you've been the CEO there for how long
1: now? Uh, probably about um sort of. 13, 14 years, Mm. yeah, with Murdoch's uh, sort of just over 20 years and in the CEO role about 13, 14 years. So you joined but you went into HR, is that right? Mm -hmm. So I joined uh, back sort of 20, 21 years ago as the HR manager for the group and then just through a series of things that just happened naturally in business, people left, people moved into other positions, etc. Through a series of moves, I moved into the group HR director role, and then I moved more into sales and operations and then into my current role. You know,
0: time and time again, we talk about sort of industries and, um, you know, attracting more women into industries that aren't Mm -hmm. traditionally, uh, you know, you don't have many females. The construction industry, the building industry, this is exactly one of those. And Mm -hmm. there's been an awful lot of work to do to make it an attractive place to work uh, for females have we done that to death? Do you get asked this question all the time? You know, when you started, were there many women
1: working there? Well, when I first, um, I sort of taught for for, four ye- for three or four years. And then my husband and I, it wasn't my husband at the time, but David and I did a bit of travelling for a year back in the sort of mid-80s. Then when I came back here, I ended up through sort of various means with John Graham Damore Limited, uh, which is obviously a, a large civil sort of civil engineering contractor um so that was male a male sort of uh dominated um company as well, and then Murdock's, which obviously is building supplies so to be honest with you it 's always people from outside of the business who ask about it mm. in the business itself it is not it 's never an issue it's, it doesn 't it even just doesn 't even come up you Good. know um in any of the places i've worked i've been very lucky i've never felt or experienced that being a woman has been a hindrance or been there were obstacles or barriers put in my place or put in my way um i just i think i've been i know other women do experience that uh, and i'm certainly not saying it doesn't happen but i have been very fortunate in that i have not experienced it i mean i work at the minute with a a senior team of mainly men obviously mainly men uh, and they're very knowledgeable, very experienced, very supportive, but the man-woman thing just does not come into it. And probably that comes from the fact that we have worked together for a significant period of time, and we're just we're just people on a management team to each other, and that that's all. And it's, it is, in fairness, it is a question of interest to people outside of the business. Does it frustrate it, you
0: that people ask it all the time?
1: It doesn't really, because I can understand why they do. Uh, I can only just say what I've said, which is I have not experienced those barriers, so I would count myself very fortunate, um, and I certainly uh, haven't f- found it an impediment in any of the roles that I've that I've done.
0: Well, obviously not. You are CEO. Um, even taking on the CEO role, even being a woman at CEO level, mm-hmm. it, 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 that is, you know, for for many women. Uh, we're again hearing about the, the, the pay gap, where we're, we're seeing women in senior roles um, underrepresented, and especially maybe in these male-dominated industries. But how did it happen for you?
1: How did... How me, the CEO, yeah. yeah. Uh, purely because of the way sort of businesses operate. People leave, people move into other positions, opportunities are created, and there's no doubt about it. It's like, and I would say this myself, in any situation, uh, a lot of people will find that their career develops because they happen to be in the right place at the right time. Obviously, uh, you'd like to think that it's, al- it's also on merit, but I didn't. When I when I left school and went to university, I my idea was to train to be a teacher. Mm. I didn't have any notion of going into business. That happened because that's where life took me. Uh, it wasn't a great master plan, no. uh, so it wasn't a great master plan in Murdoch's either. It's the way it happened over a period of time, uh, and I mean not to not to repeat myself, but I would just say that I've been very very lucky. I'd like to think I've contributed to the company, uh, but I've also say I've been very very lucky.
0: And when it came to actually applying for the position, mm-hmm. um, we talk a lot uh, with, with various different women about imposter syndrome. And, you know, one of the, the traits of imposter syndrome is, is either you think maybe you're not good enough for the job or that you got there through luck. But, yeah. uh, you know, when, the, when that opportunity came up, what was your initial gut feeling?
1: My initial gut feeling was I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure that I have the experience to do it but also if I don't give it a try I know I'll always regret it and I can remember clearly those feelings at the time.
0: And thank goodness you did and (coughs) you're obviously doing a great
1: job. Why do you love working there? There's no one thing Sarah there are lots of things about Murdoch's that uh, I really I love and enjoy Um, so I mean, one of the things that I love about it is that it's a family-owned business. Um, so it's, got, it's built on very much family values, uh, hard work, um, integrity, customer service, looking after your colleagues, going the extra mile for your customer. All the things that I would say are very basic, but don't always happen. You know. So there's a, there's a lot of that. that. That would build, that is the whole culture of Murdoch's service well-trained staff long service staff so that they build up their knowledge their experience their relationships with the customers um you know the culture our culture in murdoch's is all about customer service and i know that everyone says that i do know that everyone says that but we are a very service orientated business one of the other things i love about it is we're very progressive you know we're owned by two very progressive brothers keard and kevin murdoch Um, and they're very passionate about the business, they're passionate about expanding the business, developing the business, improving it and when the owners feel like that it trickles down through the rest of the business, through the rest of the organisation and when you have a lot of people across the group who also feel like that instinctively themselves Mm -hmm. then what you get is a very good organisation, you know, so I mean I work with a senior management team. I work with a branch and uh, timber business management team, and that's one of the things about Murdoch's: the people are. We we have a you know we talk about Murdoch people, mm. the sort of people that like to work in Murdoch's and fit well into Murdoch's, and what it all boils down to are those basic characteristics: hard work, reliability, honesty, integrity, customer service um you know there's a lot of competition for good staff yeah um and I know I'm veering off here on on something else but there's a lot of competition for good staff uh and we're we're in the middle of that race to recruit good staff and then retain them and develop them that's what that's what all of us at management level are all about you want to go out and get those staff you want to be able to convince them that a career in Murdoch's is a possibility and exciting and progressive and interesting and enjoyable. Uh, and then once you have those people recruited, you want to treat them well, value them, develop them. Like We have a great system in Murdoch's, um, which is fairly simple, but again, it's, it's, it's one of those basic things that's very good. We have a seriously strong ethos about promoting from within So if there's an opportunity comes up in our group, and our groups, you know, north and south, we've just almost 400 people. So there are opportunities coming up on an ongoing basis. The very first thing that we will do is we will look across our own existing staff and to the best of our ability pinpoint a person or people who might be able and want that opportunity. Uh, before we ever go outside looking for an external person, we will always look to see whether our our own people, uh, is there anybody in there who, who would, you know, just love that opportunity and has, has demonstrated uh, that they're fit for it.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. From employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law, Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 30 26 and, and and then you're really investing in your team and maybe you're seeing talent in a team member they don't even know they Absolutely. have themselves yep. or is it that they come to you and say i'd like to
1: try this yeah it's the two things first of all we we try and have an open door policy with managers so that staff feel very comfortable coming in to say uh, i would like a bit more you know a bit more responsibility or i keep me in mind for progression when it comes up or can i move jobs or you might find somebody just this is just an example somebody who maybe is working in an operative role in one of our builders merchants yards wants to learn how to do a docket at the trade counter and something as simple as just giving that person maybe an opportunity on a saturday morning because we open a half day on a saturday to come in when maybe it's a little bit quieter and train them uh, and then to see whether they like it or not and if they like it then there's a, there's a possibility somebody that you think, yeah, well, the next time there's an opening in our shop, we'll go to him or we'll go to her and see uh, whether they want it. Um, so it's it's as simple as that. It's not that we have any radical programme in place, but just talking to your staff and being driven by wanting the best for your existing staff. Mm-hmm if that that underpins everything people underpin everything and i would say anybody you've had in here doing a podcast <laughs> always comes back to that because it's really true mm-hmm. your people I know it's a cliche, but they are your greatest asset. Absolutely.
0: And we do hear that time and time again. And I'm just wondering now, it just seems like the perfect fit. HR is really having a moment right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are everything, Mm -hmm. and we've witnessed that during the pandemic. I think there's a greater appreciation in how different, how diverse people are, um, how they work in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, They can take, some people can take more stress, other people can't and there's ha there has to be compassion and understanding for the team and i think again that has really been evidenced by all of the people who've come in here they've seen i've had to listen much more Mm -hmm. understand much more and i'm just wondering given your background in hr it makes you the perfect fit to be a leader
1: yeah well i don't know about the perfect fit (laughs) but a good fit there's no doubt about it and you know anybody that I would work closely with in Murdoch's will hear me saying this time and time and time again because I genuinely believe it. People are everything to a business. You know, people are everything to a business. Your business will thrive and expand depending on the people that you have working for it or it will not depending on the people that you have working for you. Um, you know, <laughs> And again, just obviously going back to Murdoch's because that, that's what we're talking about. We've nearly 400 staff. Uh, a lot of those people, a lot a, a, re- a lot of those people have over 30 years service. Wow. You know, a, a whole lot loyalty, The loyalty. More, the, loyalty mm. the experience, the knowledge, the fit with the business. A lot of over 20 years. A whole trench of over 10 years. Um, you know, so when you have that in a business... Of course there's churn in some, mm. you know, it's not to say that w- people work for Murdoch's, they stay they stay forever, I'm not suggesting that. But there's a core of really solid, experienced, passionate people uh, who drive the business on. And the driving of the business on comes from the owners and the board. Mm. But it is all about people. You can have all the best ideas in the world and you can have, you know... I could sit and, and put a strategy together, but if you don't have the people to deliver it and who get in behind you and work with you and you know help you to deliver what you want to you want to deliver, you can't do it without good people and you know having that experience
0: that wealth of, of experience there and it all you know trickles down through the organization so you're nurturing those coming in behind and mm-hmm. they're learning from the best but I wonder where you would where you would stand and uh, uh, you I've heard this term reverse mentoring where you have the younger people coming in with different skills Mm -hmm. um, and you really need the technology the the thinkers the creativity Mm -hmm. that we're seeing for the younger people how much do you listen to the voices of the younger people coming in yeah
1: I would like to say I would like to think and and I do believe that we listen to the younger staff uh, extensively so for example um you know in I can the most immediate example that comes to my to my mind is head office, where over the last let's say five, six years uh we have developed a certain part of our business which needs a lot of people who are desk based they are just because of the way it's happened um a lot of them are younger, everyone's younger than me nowadays, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we have a lot of, of really good young people who are bringing a new edge to mm-hmm. the business. you know. And it's great to see it. And I'm just even thinking, like one of the things that we're working on at the minute is a new website. So this is going to be the first time that customers of Murdoch's are going to be able to order online. I mean, a lot of the input from that has been from our younger staff.
0: So you haven't done that? You haven't We've raised that never, No. Wow. No. And you realise now this is absolutely where yeah. you have to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, And there's been a lot of work has gone into that over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. But you also rely on your younger staff because the things that are involved in online trading largely are foreign to me Yeah, and to my generation. Yeah. So you have to listen and you have to know you have to listen. And you have to let go a little and let yes, them get absolutely. on. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So since becoming CEO, um,
0: what are the biggest challenges you faced and the lessons learned? Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm going to sound like I'm being very repetitive, but the challenges are usually, usually people related. Re- you know, attracting builders, providers, builders, merchants. It's not on most. You know, when most people leave school or leave university, it's not on the list of where you want to work. Huh. So I think our challenge is trying to, and that's what we've done. I mean, we've been doing that over the last ten years, trying to to get the word out there that you can have a very exciting, uh, rewarding career with Murdox. I'm I'm sure you can have an exciting, rewarded career with other builders, merchants, but obviously we're focused on on, on Murdox. So what are the
0: range of jobs you could have? Oh,
1: anything, you think of any business that's like a distribution business, you've got obviously everything in finance, HR, uh, management, uh, the marketing side of things, Uh, The actual in your yards and sheds where you're doing your forklifts, your general operatives, your drivers, your logistics people, um, your branch managers, your shop and retail staff. It's, you know, it's just like we happen to supply building materials. But our business model could be that you supply any ladies clothes. Yes, yes. You You know, exactly.
0: The people and the systems and the And the whole
1: business system behind it is the same.
0: What about the actual, um, you know, people on site? What about uh, the forklift drivers? All of those skills Mm -hmm. that... Do you prefer to get people young? Do you prefer to get
1: apprentices and and, and let them work up through the company? To be honest with you, uh, we try to take a very uh, holistic attitude to that. It would be very easy to say, get young people in. But everything... It's all about getting the right people in. So whether the right person is 18 or 28 or 48 or 58, you know, as long as they come with what, as long as they're, going back to what I said earlier, as long as we feel that they're a murder person Mm. with those murder values, Mm -hmm. then yeah, it's great to get young people in because um, hopefully they'll come in and they'll build their career with you and uh, they'll stay with you and there'll be one of those people in due course that are with you 10 years or 20 years. But it's like everything. You need a mix. You need a mix so that the dynamic in the company is balanced and right. So it's not just to say we're not ageist. It's just you need that balance and it's all about the right person. In fact, one of the things that we've done recently is uh, start to recruit for part-time people, which we didn't really used to do. We always said, you know, if you need you need a, a person in a yard or a person in a shop it's a full-time position now we're saying in order to widen our pool of people offer part-time roles and whether the per- person that that takes up a part-time role is in their 30s 40s 50s it doesn't matter
0: We're going to mention the B word now. Brexit has impacted a lot of businesses but despite this it's been predicted that the Irish construction industry is expected to grow by 15% Mm -hmm. this year which hopefully means great things for Murdoch's. Do you feel this is an accurate representation? Mm
1: -hmm. Well 15% I can't comment on 15%. I can't comment on 15% simply because different reports come out at different times and different figures are quoted at different Mm -hmm. times and 15% Fifteen percent this week becomes ten or twenty percent next week, but there's no doubt about it. The actual uh, construction industry is very buoyant at the minute, um, and without a doubt, I would say double digit growth is 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 you know wouldn't be far away from the mark. But it's the private development you know, sites, housing, all of that, but a huge part of it as well, Sarah, has been driven by the ordinary householder, who is manically trying to get their their garden and their house in shape because of the pandemic and the situation we're in less people are going on holidays uh, your, your home
0: is your castle your home and is it's your been, castle yes.
1: and you saw it we all saw it uh, very much sort of april may last year where people were in the first lockdown we were getting used to that whole notion of being at home on furlough the sun was splitting the stones right. people weren't going to get on holidays Everybody wanted to improve their house and their garden. And I don't think we actually thought it was going to extend that far into this year, but it has. So that's really where the bulk of your work has been then? It's not the bulk of the work. The bulk of the work will always still come from the builder who's doing building contract work. But there's no doubt about it, it's absolutely buoyed up by that domestic consumer who doesn't usually spend that much money in a concentrated period on their home and you can see there's, it's evidence everywhere whenever you're
0: um, driving nice. around absolutely. and having a nosy going oh that's nice and yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. a lovely fence yeah. look, there's a lovely extension yeah. so yeah. yeah I think people have been very house proud and, and wanting to improve their four walls so to speak yeah. um, how have you been impacted by Brexit
1: uh, we have been impacted by Brexit uh, fairly significantly uh, but not only by Brexit I think it's The significance of how supply has been uh, impacted is a combination of COVID and Brexit. So global demand has gone up for for building products. I mean, it's it's on the news every single day, virtually. Um, Global demand has gone up uh, between uh, containers stuck in ports and supply lines being down because of COVID and uh, supply chains being pushed back by weeks or months. Uh, on top of Brexit and I would say most businesses thought last year Brexit's going to be an awful disaster a bit of an awful hassle it's really going to disrupt our supply chain I don't think any of us ever anticipated Brexit and Covid in combination no I think on reflection Brexit on its own would probably have been relatively straightforward it's the fact that it's combined with Covid and the, and the global demand has really made it difficult.
0: And then the Suez Canal on top of that, honestly. All those things go together, yeah. Um, yeah. Really, we're coming to the end of the podcast now. And if you think of how far you've come, I know you weren't there at the start, but whenever mm. Kieran and Kevin Murdoch set up the original business in 1982, how does a business come from being a local supply store to being one of the leading suppliers
1: of building materials? Well, it's very much driven by Ciarán and Kevin. That's the the bottom line. But I suppose it's all about um, not resting on your laurels. You know, you have one business, you acquire another business, you acquire another business, you open another business on a greenfield site. And if you're passionate about expansion and growth, which Ciarán and Kevin both are, then that's the thing. You don't rest on your laurels, and you're always looking for opportunities to expand and improve. I think that's basically what it boils down to.
0: Um, what do you think is the next step apart from the website and the online? Although that's massive. <coughs> I mean, is, the world's yeah. your oyster, really. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Next step, I think, is all of the ba- just keeping all of the basics right. So continuing to uh, invest in our people, continuing to look for opportunities to. Uh, develop our network of branches um, and just always being on the lookout for other things that we can bolt on to our business that are naturally complementary.
0: We talked about gender at the start, but I'm wondering if you could sell this industry to other girls, to other women, to (coughs) anybody out there. What would you say is the best thing about it?
1: I would say that uh, the best thing about it is And I can only talk from my experience with Murdox. If you can get in with a company that truly believes in valuing its people, then whether you're a male or a female, it has to be a good thing. And you can definitely, definitely develop an exciting, rewarding career. With Murdoch Builders Merchants.
0: Now the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses by offering insight into the success of companies such as Murdoch's. So what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but don't know where to start or they're unsure about whether it's a risk worth taking?
1: I am the last person on earth who would give somebody advice on an entrepreneurial startup. I've never done it myself so I don't know. The only thing is, I know a lot of people, friends and business sort of acquaintances who have started up businesses and the, the one thing that I think is in common with all of the things they say is very basic. Measure twice, cut once. Be, be as sure as you possibly can be of what you're going to do before you actually do it.
0: Anne Morgan, CEO of Murdoch Builders Merchants. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sarah.